Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. It happened to Cat, hoping that, you know, it's motivating Wiggs to, to, to join him one day or to at least light a fire under his ass or something. I'm mad at you, though. You know, I'm, you know why I'm mad at you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about it. When are we going to be an all-star, dog? When are we getting an all-star? Real talk. Cat, you can go now. <laughs> right. When, when, you, when, you, when you doing all-star? Next year is a motivation for it. Really? Yeah, next year. That's what I'm aiming towards. Judd, Rami, Jonathan, I woke up today and thought, today's the day. Today's the day. That the Wolves do what they need to do. Attach a first-round pick. <laughs> attach a Josh Okogie. Why would you do that to, to Andrew itself? Wiggins? Yeah. Why would you do that Today's to the day. Team? And it, it wasn't the day. It, the, the trade deadline passed. And the Wolves roster, not only is Andrew Wiggins still on it, but the Wolves roster is the, the same roster it was three hours ago. So, uh, Who was going to make the trades? I mean, therein they, lies they, your problem. They know, no my, make... they know where to find me. Exactly. They know my number. <laughs> you, they need you someone probably... to get on the horn and make that phone call. Listen, Andrew, I hate to break it to you, but you're terrible and you've been traded. You are probably as empowered as Scott is right now to make a trade for the Wolves. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Phil, make the trade. Well, it's not like, I mean, Glenn's, I'm, I'm guessing Glenn's not, so you could probably trade Andrew Wiggins and Glenn wouldn't know for like five days. He's like, <laughs> I mean, he'd show up in his sweater and sit front row. And where's, where's Andrew? Where's Andrew? <laughs> would you even notice, anyways, if Andrew Wiggins wasn't on the court? If yeah, you, just, you wouldn't even notice. No, I would notice. You would? Yeah, the loud noise of the ball clanking off the oh, rim. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say the yeah. yeah the shooting efficiency would be high, and you'd say yeah. why? I We'd see. miss that because Andrew that. Wiggins is gone. Yeah. Can we talk about the real star of the NBA trade deadline lead up and uh, and reaction? Please, can we? Tom Thibodeau on ESPN. <laughs> Please tell me, you guys listening. Look at Jonathan doing it right now. The look. If this you, is what I plan on doing at the golf show tomorrow. I'm just letting you know. I'm just going to sit there right next to you guys. <laughs> just completely creep people out. So I'll be like, just, who's, so the who's mic will be psycho? there. I'll be holding the mic and I'll just... <laughs> so, okay, I need explanation. If people haven't seen the, the clip... You can find it. I know. I know. Seth put it out on the Score North Twitter account last night. But you can just pretty much just search Tom Thibodeau on Twitter, and you'll see. Actually, him. I just tweeted out a GIF of it. Did that, you? Okay. That Manny made. Yeah. What is 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 someone in his camp telling him, "Hey, man, I know that this is the perception of you that you're a, you're just a bear and mm-hmm. you're mean and you ruin culture. So we needed to work on your smile. Yeah. Just go on, be more likable on TV. But you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna admit this right here, right now. I I can relate to Tom Thibodeau today because I can't smile on command. 
I cannot. Yeah, you and me both. I cannot smile on command. Like I think I have an an okay, like a not weird looking smile when it's natural. Like oh, when no, something. When you say that, you totally have a weird smile. When, when something just make <laughs> when something just makes me laugh or smile, like it's a normal looking smile. But if if you're taking a picture of me and you're like smile, yeah. I do this. I'm like, ah. like I don't even know what. I just don't know what to do with my face when you ask me to smile on command. It's the same problem I have. I think I think that's what happened to Tom Thibodeau. Somebody whether. It was his reps or somebody on the TV side of things was like, "Hey Tom, we need you when the camera's on. We need you to smile." And I think he tried it, and it just came off like what we saw. Like he was a a, a non-human trying <laughs> trying <laughs> trying to look human. He had this moment during the on the jump today where he's sitting next to I believe Tracy McGrady, and they're coming back from break or whatever, and they're all laughing about something. And he's looking over at Tracy McGrady to make sure he's still smiling so he knows whether he can still be smiling or not or whether he can turn his smile off. It's super awkward. So it's been a theme on this show for the five years that we've been doing it that, that Judd is the same way. Like Judd makes fun of himself for, I, I don't smile in photos. I don't smile in photos. I didn't know that Rami was the same way. And Tom Thibodeau is a hundred times no. worse than anything we've ever seen with Judd. But do you do it? I do it. Rami, because yeah. I won't do it. No, I'll do it. I just don't smile. If, if I, you want Judd it. stone faces pictures like he's a farmer from the 1800s. <laughs> I was... I was taking a picture with the wife a couple days ago. She was trying to take a selfie of us at the Gopher basketball game. And she's like, smile. I'm like, no, I can't. I won't. <laughs> and I wouldn't smile. And then I tried once. I said, okay, I'll do it. And, of course, the picture was awful. And I'm like, okay, take another one. I'm not going to smile. And I think the one that she eventually put on Facebook, I was half smirking because I, I smirk, but I won't smile. Do we still have the picture we all took at Target Field at the launch? It's probably somewhere. It's floating around I want to see yeah. what his face is. That. What Judd's face was? Yeah. Was it? Did you stone face or did you smile in that photo? I think I, I think he smiled. I think I smiled a little bit, but my hair was so bad that day <laughs> that it overrode my bad smile. <laughs> what was it like flapping in the wind? Yeah, because it fell. You wore flat. a suit too. You had a yeah. suit. You had the peacoat going, and then just the hair was just all over the. Somebody place, isolated man. my head then and like <laughs> zoomed in and tweeted it out. <laughs> And my hair was like flopping up. It was fantastic. Okay, so from I, I love that both you guys suffer from the same. Is it smile anxiety that Tom know, Thibodeau man. has? I don't know, but and and it got worse once I realized it. Once once it occurred to me that like, dude, every time you try to smile, it just looks weird. Then it got in my head, and it was like it was like a it was like a batter in the batter's box who just he got in his own head and he couldn't find his swing ever again. Like I, my smile has only gotten weirder since I realized that I have this problem because now I'm just way in it, my head about it. It's the guy who can't throw. Yeah, you're like Rube Baker from yeah. uh, from Major League Two. I got the yips. Now block. Only Steve Sachs. It's Steve Blass. Stupid and simple as smiling. I got the yips. So what? Well, actually, Tom Thibodeau has the opposite problem, which is he just has like uncontrollable, weird robotic smile. <laughs> but, what, but what I don't get is what what goofball told Tibbs to smile because he's not comfortable smiling naturally. Like he has no business smiling. It looks weird. It is weird. He's not comfortable doing it. He doesn't care. Like if he's gonna go do this, just sit there like Tibbs. 
I mean, you're going to look, he looks robotic no matter what. Right. So going in, we know that. Yeah. So what goofball said, hey, put a smile on that mug and it'll look good. Sesame Street doesn't ask Oscar the Grouch to come on and be happy. Yes. Okay? <laughs> right. We just want you to be Oscar the Grouch. Just yeah. come in and, uh, you know, do your thing for a couple minutes and go back in the garbage can. Oscar, if you could just smile. Like, <laughs> just when the camera's on you, if you could please just All right. smile. Here's the photo of me from Target Field. That we all got. As you can see, my hair, my hair has fallen flat on my forehead. You're smirking. It's a smirk with with it's, it's uh, a smirk. smirk. Yeah, but the hair, but the hair looks so bad. It's overriding the smirk. Okay. So right. the smirk, the smirk becomes really not that important. How did your hair get to that point? Because you were obviously very. It wasn't uh, windy that day. Oh, I had terrible hair. You were very aware of your appearance that day. Like I said, you had the coat, you had the loafers, you had the oh, pea coat. How did your hair get to that point? Because I didn't take care of of my hair because there comes a point in time where it's just too much. <laughs> like I've done the tie, I've done the I've done the pea coat, I've done and I just I That's how I get when my hair gets longer. I just don't care anymore cuz uncontainable. That's why well, I keep it shorter. I've got the problem right now of I keep going to try to get my hair cut. And the wife's like, no, don't. I like it long. Oh, okay. Ooh. And so I leave it long because I'm lazy. And the gal likes it. <laughs> and the yeah. gal likes it. And my barber's there, but he's not always there. And I have to wait in line. So I'm like, okay, if she doesn't care, I don't care. But if my hair's short, life's much simpler. Yep. Yeah. I've, so, al- I've always had long hair, but before I started dating my girlfriend, it wasn't this long. But she just likes it long. So I, I just let it grow because... Who else do I? I mean, who else should care what I look like other than my girlfriend? Not you know us. What I mean? That's for sure. You're right. Exactly. What if she's just trolling you? <laughs> <laughs> she thinks it looks ridiculous, but she just she likes the comments from other people. So, anyways, Timberwolves did nothing, nothing. at the trade deadline today. I, there were some stories out that they were shopping. As anyone would, they were shopping Gorgie Jang, who makes like sixteen million dollars, and Jeff Teague makes twenty million dollars, and they've got two or three point guards they can roll with besides Jeff Teague, and they've actually looked better in some cases without Jeff Teague. Uh, but I don't know. I just I, the state of the Wolves roster is so interesting in that they've got these expendable veteran pieces that they're trying to get rid of, and they've got this Andrew Wiggins albatross contract, and I'm looking at the roster wondering. Okay, what in two years from now, besides Carl Anthony Towns, how many of these guys do you even really want on the team in 2020? If you fast forward, let's say even just one summer from now, how many guys on this roster do you look at and say, yep, that's definitely part of the nucleus of this thing going forward? Towns, I would put a Kogi in that mix. I would put Tyus Jones in that mix too. And beyond that, I don't know if there's any, like if you could just... You know, if you could just start from scratch, but you had to you had to pick a few guys from the current roster. I don't know if I would pick anyone guys else. Guys who I want here or guys who I'd be okay with them being here. Because those are two different categories. Want. Let's start guys with who want. I, I actively want here. You just hit on them. Those three. Those three. And I'm with you. Tyus, probably, but not sure. And plus two. So, so I guess my question is this. The new GM's going to come in and make a decision on, on the coach and players. And really, if you think about it, a GM who's going to come in with a fresh outlook is going to definitely look at Cat as a valuable asset. But beyond that, that person might say, nobody. I mean, a Kogi, I like, I like what he brings, but there's a fighting chance that if a guy comes in, in here, brings in his own coach, 
and starts to make trades and assemble a roster, that Carl is the only guy who, who's going to survive in two years. Yeah, that's very good. The Kogi's got no. I mean, I like I like what he brings, but I certainly wouldn't go to the wall if Chauncey came in and said, "Well, I don't." I wouldn't say yeah, that's a mistake. Yeah, and then the other the other big story was this this amazing troll job by the Pelicans. Who all these stories coming out about the Lakers and they're negotiating and the Lakers have put Kyle Kuzma in and the Lakers have done this and that. And it was apparently all, according to Brian Windhorst, the Pelicans just lying and trolling the Lakers and trying to cause unrest in their locker room. What did you guys make of that? I, that love, is, I love it. I love pettiness, and that is yes. that is some high-level pettiness right there well, on, on the Pelicans' part. And if the players are going to go to you, and as a superstar player who, who you were planning on building around, right, and basically say, I want to be traded, and oh, by the way, I prefer to go to one team, and, and it's got uh, LeBron, who, by the way, also has been trolling you basically by going to that player and talking to him. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I do the same exact thing. But the the, the problem is when w- this is where the the players have all the leverage in the NBA. So yes, technically Anthony Davis, he's under contract for the rest of the year and then all of next year. So you could on the surface you could say, well, I mean the Pelicans don't have to trade him. Well, but he's not going to resign with the Pelicans in a year and a half. And once you declare, once you put a flag in the ground and say. Not only do I want to be traded, but I want to be traded to that team. Now all the other teams that might trade for you are going to be like, Ooh, okay, well, if we trade for him, now it worked out well for, for Paul George and the Thunder. They traded for Paul George. He had one year left on his deal. Everyone said, oh, I don't know. They gave up a lot to get Paul George, and then he resigned. Mm-hmm. But if you're any other team besides the Lakers and you're in negotiations today with the Pelicans or this summer, and you're thinking, well, if he's going to sign with the Lakers... We're not going to give up a bunch of stuff for one year of Anthony Davis. You actually gain more leverage as a player to go to the team you want by stating the team that you want, either through reports or publicly. Because you, it, it, it makes like it happens on a regular basis. Also, if I'm the Pelicans, you're basically killing you're killing your value on the trade market as far as as far as for for our our purposes. You know what I mean? Who? Because like you just said, who else is going to make a trade for this guy when he clearly wants to be? In Los Angeles. If I'm the Pelicans, I see that and I go, okay, Anthony Davis. Okay, Los Angeles Lakers. You want to force our hand? We're going to do everything in our power to make this not happen or at least make it the most difficult path to this happening. Because we're not going to be strong-armed into sending you exactly where you want to go at a, at a discount rate. I think Boston will, though. I, I think the, the Celtics are going to get involved and try and trade for for him, and as long as you've got two teams going back and forth, that's the weird thing about this. Is is I didn't understand why the Pelicans would immediately trade him unless they got an offer that was absolutely incredible. Because if you you can now take this into the summertime and have two teams, seems smarter, right? Yeah. And if Boston's going to say, okay, we'll give you draft picks and this and and that, I'd yeah. do it. So uh, so I think the I think cultivating and having a second real team is the key to that. I threw out on this trade deadline day. It's always fun when there's a trade deadline. Uh, the, the NHL has a lot of action during their trade deadline. Oftentimes NFL lately has had more action mm-hmm. around the trade deadline, but I threw this question out on Twitter, just uh, my own account at Phil Mackey for, uh, for the audience here. The responses are already pretty fun and we can come up with our own throughout the show, but what is your least favorite Minnesota sports trade ever? Is the question. And it doesn't have to just be basketball. Just any Minnesota sports trade. 
I'm just going to start reading a couple of these. And uh, and R- Rami, you're new to the Mackie and Judd with Rami Show and the Twin Cities. Some of these, we get to tell the story of the trade to you. The one immediately popped into my head, and a bunch of people have already had that answer, and that's Herschel Walker. Yes. Yep, that's about as bad as it gets. For people outside of Minnesota, if you, if, if you were playing word association and you said Minnesota trade... To a sports fan, they would go Herschel Walker. Yeah, that'd for, be the first one that pops into your head. That's for the punchline. That's that's the punchline trade. Yeah, yeah. You, you gave up how many draft picks? Now the yeah, I think the the misperception is that it shipwrecked the franchise. It actually, didn't. It was a bad trade, and the Cowboys won Super Bowls off the trade. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Would you have landed Emmett Smith if you you know didn't trade for Herschel Walker? I mean, it remains to be seen if you were to go back in history. But the Vikings went to the playoffs almost every year in the 1990s, despite trading away all of those draft picks in, 19, was it 1991 or whatever year? 89. It was, 89. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sam, let's see, uh, our guy Derek James from scorenorth.com said the Sam Cassell for Marco Yarich trade, because I think the Wolves also had to give up a first round pick in it to get Marco Yarich. So they give up Sam Cassell, who was old, and a first round pick for Marco Yarich. Uh, Bruno for for her yeah, that's in 1988. Awful trade. Did is not a, work. Yeah, uh, Nino for Rusk. Someone put on oh, this. Wow, that, no, that's too, that's premature. <laughs> that just happened two weeks ago. Calm down. <laughs> Calm yourself out. down. And then of course uh, Randy Moss for Napoleon Harris and the number seven overall pick that wound up being Troy Williamson. Because <laughs> you used the pick list. on Troy Williamson is why you hate it. <laughs> you got a good draft pick. That was like that was peak in his prime, Randy Moss too, who checked out for two years in Oakland and then went to the Patriots in 2007 and caught like 23 touchdown passes. So, so keep them coming. Send them. You can send them at Phil Mackey at Jay Zolgad at Rami R A M I E is tweeting or at Score North S K O R North. Jason Stark, friend of the show, is going to join us when we come back here from the Athletic to go over some of these proposed Major League Baseball rule changes that we talked about. On yesterday's and show. And the hot stove. We got to talk about the hot stove with Jason. So much going on in Major League Baseball. Such a hot stove. Oh, man. Yeah. Red this hot. <laughs> stove that's been off for <laughs> like three months. Needs maintenance to check out. Hey, it's easy to listen to Score North on 1500 on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, Judd. Awesome. Alexa, fire a coach. No, 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 no. It's Alexa, trade everybody. Judd, no. It's Alexa, open Score North. Alexa, more hockey. I want more hockey. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, and you can listen to Score North on 1500. Alexa, open Score North. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. This is fantastic. Okay. So uh, it's cold outside, so we figure we'll try to fire up the hot stove, as Rami said. But the, the stove's been off. Although there was a big trade in Major League Baseball today, and we can talk about that. Uh, the death of the legendary Frank Robinson and uh, Major League Baseball rule changes. Jason Stark is a very busy man today. We really appreciate you carving out a couple minutes, uh, Jason. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami Maklov is now part of our show since the last time you joined. He's a huge baseball guy. Let's start with your just your memories and thoughts on Frank Robinson, Jason. Oh, man. Uh, well, for one thing, Frank Robinson had a special presence to him. <laughs> I don't know how much it, it, you guys were around him, but um, like, there was never any such thing as a casual conversation with Frank Robinson. It was <laughs> It was intense. Right, Frank had an edge to him. He was gonna, he was gonna test you. He was gonna see what you knew. He was gonna see how tough you were. And then, if you could unlock 
that 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 tough exterior there is an incredible wealth of insight knowledge character uh just a unique man man right and then frank as a baseball player i you know i a decade or so i wrote a book on the most overrated and underrated players who ever lived and my most underrated right fielder in history was Frank Robinson. Hmm. Only man ever to win a MVP, Rookie of the Year, World Series MVP, and All-Star Game MVP. How about that grand slam? Wow. And trip, he, he's a triple crown guy once too, wasn't he? Triple crown, player manager. <laughs> it, to, to run through Frank Robinson's career, like it's it's incredible how little we talk about him as one of the greatest players who ever lived. Um, you know, one of the things I, I remember mentioning in my book was in the voting for the, remember the all-century team, right? Yeah. I just ran through Frank Robinson's credentials. He, among outfielders, he finished, I believe it was 16th. 16th! Man. He's one of the greatest players who ever lived. Yeah. And and a historical figure, too. I mean, we're talking about the, the baseball side of things, Jason. And here we sit in Black History Month, and Jackie Robinson gets gets most of the chatter when we talk about breaking the color barrier in baseball, and rightly so for, for what he did and what he went through. But Frank Robinson was broke a couple of color barriers himself in, in Major League Baseball, didn't he? Well, there's no doubt about it. Um you know, and I think what he's most known for is doing that as a manager, right? Um, you know, I, what he represented as, uh, I believe, just again, this top of my head, what, first African-American manager in the history of the American League. Mm-hmm. Isn't that correct? And, uh, and was a player manager at the same time. And, you know, Frank was was very proud and very smart and very tough. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure if everybody or anybody could have handled all of that the way he did. As I, I mean, the way I started this was just the way Frank Robinson carried himself. You just had to take one look at him, and it was very difficult to question what he was doing in that job and why he was going to be great at it. Your thoughts are on uh, the the proposed changes to the game, rule-wise, that came out a couple days ago, including the expected at some point 20-second pitch clock, Jason Stark. Um, you know, I'm not sure that any of it we can safely say is expected or inevitable. Uh, I don't really know where this is leading. Uh, the, the thing that I'm most excited about, Judd, is that they're, they're actually having dialogue about this stuff. And as someone who has been briefed by both sides on a lot of the thinking behind these proposals, um, there's a lot of really interesting thinking going on where I think we 
might run into trouble, though, is while there are clear areas of potential agreement here, it's the the fact that the union responded not just with proposals to change the game on the field, but also proposals that they that they want to link that part of it to their feelings about tanking and ways to prevent it, uh, service time manipulation and ways to prevent it. That's the part of this that I'm not sure that the commissioner's office is going to go for. And that could derail all of this, but the topics themselves, from moving back the mound to lowering the mound to the DH in both leagues to just all the things on the table, that part of it's fascinating to me. What don't you like the most? What what proposal don't you like? You know, you're probably asking the wrong guy because I am I'm more open minded about changing the sport on the field, even portions of it that have that have existed for a century than probably anybody you could have on. You know, I like I think let's have the conversations. You know, the like I'm the guy who wrote the piece yesterday that revealed they're actually talking about changing sixty feet six inches. Yeah. Right. The, the 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 pitcher has stood sixty feet six inches from the hitter since eighteen ninety three. And I know that it feels like that should be sacrosanct. But, like, nobody wants to get past the iconic portion of the distance and the number to even look at what they're thinking. Like, there are a lot of things you can do to create more action and better pace and shorter games. But what's the biggest problem baseball faces right now? Velocity. You just the number of pitchers who threw 95, 97, 98, 100 has tripled, quadrupled, quintupled just over the last five years, and nobody knows how to counteract velocity. So when they talk about, shouldn't we at least study moving the mound back a few inches? The immediate reaction of everybody is, oh my God, but there's there's fascinating thinking behind all of that. Talking with Jason Stark here on Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North, scorenorth.com. The the rule that I think is most divisive in terms of the, the ones they're considering changing is probably the DH and a universal DH coming there to Major League Baseball. I'm, I'm against that. I understand that some people enjoy the DH, so I say keep it the way that it is, and those who enjoy baseball with the DH, they get what they want. Those who don't enjoy the baseball with the DH, they can get what they want. This has been a conversation that's been going on forever, Jason. What <laughs> what is what is the compulsion to make the DH or no DH uniform across all of Major League Baseball? Because I'm just fine with it the way that it is now. Yeah, Ron, that's a great question. Um, I, like, I think ultimately we're going to wind up with it as it is now for uh, uh, at least a, a, a while. But I, would, I think the impetus is coming from front offices more than it's coming from fans or owners. Um, you know, National League general managers who, for instance, are contemplating whether to give, like, Bryce Harper a 10-year contract, knowing that they don't have the DH to fall back on 
if he, you know, if his, if his skills begin to erode at maybe seven years into the deal, feel like they're at a disadvantage. Um, and the other part of it is that like, you're getting less offense from pitchers now than you've ever gotten. They're just not any good at it because no, they stop hitting when they're 17 years old because no league except the National League continues to use the DH. But I'm with you. I think that's a reason to keep it. You know, uh, a few of us had a chance to ask Rob Manfred about that last year at the All-Star game. and His, his answer was very interesting. His answer was that, you know, if you end the DH in the National League, you are ending the DH, period, because it's the last league that uses it. You would be taking the the style of baseball played by the National League and causing it to be extinct forever. I think, ultimately, it's going to be very hard for these two sides to agree to do that yet. Yeah. Uh, actually, a, a, a guy emailed the show yesterday when we were talking about this. I'm just going to read you the first. We, we like to speculate, and we like to we're forward thinking on this show. And you're a forward thinking baseball guy, Jason. So he said, "I was listening to the DH rule talk on your show yesterday." This is Bill. Bill Resner emails in. The universal DH solution has been sitting there in plain sight for 45 years. Here's the rule change you should make: pull the DH the next time through the lineup after a pitching change brings the starter out. This change could preserve all the aspects of the NL game that Judd likes, where you still have to do late-game switches and account, and sometimes pitchers might still hit. So he's saying you can make it universal, but in the DH would essentially cover for the starters, but then you have to figure it out through double switching late in the game. Your thoughts? This is Buck Showalter's idea. People really seem to like it. Um, hmm. You know, I heard Buck talk about it on MLB Network, and I... I believe he's still a member of the competition committee, so I'm guessing that this must have been talked about in the room, in the meetings of the competition committee. Um, it's really a fun rule. It's an innovative rule. Um, it does preserve both to a point, but it means pitchers hit even less, <laughs> which means they get even worse at it. It has ramifications on roster construction, uh, you, you know, it, it, you, do you have a DH or not? If you have a David Ortiz in your team, what do you do with that guy, right? There's there's just a lot of, there's a lot of complications, but a really fun idea. Yeah. How do we, uh, Jason Stark, get the stars of this game signed in, in a time period <laughs> where, where we aren't almost at pitchers and catchers report and two not pretty good players, two superstars remain on the open market? Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's sad. It, it's exhausting, for one. But worse than that, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, it takes all the fun out of what should have been a really fun free agency. Uh, I wrote about it, I, I guess it was a couple weeks ago now, uh, just about how different it used to be. Um, just to make a point that there used to be an emotion that went into some of these signings. That The Giants signed Barry Bonds in 1993, their attendance goes up by a million. A million. Uh, they sign them, they take them to a press conference, then they have a gigantic rally for them, right, in, in, in the middle of uh, uh, San Francisco. Thousands of people come out. It's incredible, it's emotional, and it energizes fans. 
Um, so, like, I I do think there's some merit in talking about deadlines, deadlines for free agents who sign for say fifty million dollars or more have to sign by such and such a date. Um, I'd be off for that. Uh, then you'd need different kinds of deadlines for trades, smaller free agents. You got to give teams the ability to fill out their roster if things happen as you go along. But I, I mean, you guys like having some kind of free agent signing deadline? Let's do it. Yes, yes, I do. And I don't know how you. It, it would be complicated to police it. But I mean, if if you want, Judd and I have come up with this. If you have one more minute, we'll run this theory by yeah. you, and then so. We think, and 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 this wouldn't be the fix necessarily, but because you're not going to have a salary cap. But if you put a number of years, like a term cap, so if you could only sign free agents to five year contracts maximum, well, Bryce Harper would be signed by now because it would just be a matter of is someone going to give him two hundred million dollars over five years or one hundred fifty million dollars? To me, it's the eight, nine, ten year. There's no there's no parameters. There's no salary cap. There's no contract cap for for number of years, and so it's just an open ended bidding war that has no end in sight. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that you'd have a hard time getting the union and the agents to agree to that. Um, I, like, I've really thought a lot this winter about whether maybe a salary cap of in some form or a hybrid cap would work for baseball better than this works. You, you've got to have some different system that enables players to get paid in their prime like the other sports have um, and that's that nobody knows how to get to that and that's going to be a hard one uh, when that comes up in the labor talks in three years uh, I, I'm going to need to take a long vacation at <laughs> yeah exactly and 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 you brought up what what I was what I was just gonna what I was just gonna mention Jason which is that combine what Phil just said which is a term limit on contracts sure. and the thing that the owners give up in negotiations would be okay players can have their free agency after three years or four years rather than waiting the six years is that a compromise that you think might work or is some kind of work stoppage mm-hmm. inevitable here uh, I, I hope it's not inevitable but Here's the, what do you think you would hear from owners if you, if Rob Manford went to the owners meeting and said, um, we're going to allow all players to become free agents after three years or four years. What would the Pirates say? What would the Reds say? Right? What would the Tampa Bay Rays say and the Brewers? Um, they don't think they can afford that. They, if you're not going to give them some major um, counter-proposal that gives that, that means there's something in it for them. They're going to spend five, six, seven years developing star players and then lose them after three or four years. Um, that's, that, that's probably not workable unless there's something that goes with it that makes it worth their while. He's Jason Stark. He's a senior baseball writer at The Athletic. You can find him on MLB Network and also find his his baseball stories series on watchstadium.com. Jason, we love having you. We hope Bryce Harper and Manny Machado find a home at some point soon. Spring <laughs> training is on the horizon. Like yesterday. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Uh, hey, great talking to you guys. Hope I run into you in spring training or something. For sure, man. All right. See you, Jason. Uh, yeah, he's been a regular on our show for a couple of years, and he's 
with the JT Real Muto trade today and Frank Robinson. He's super busy, but he said, yeah, I'll come on. Hang out with you guys. Usually he brings trivia, too. He'll bring just random twins oh, trivia. I love that. Remember yeah, when I he did that, that on Mike and Mike yeah. when he was on? So yeah. he put that level of thought into little old Mackie and Judd twins <laughs> trivia. Two years ago. It was amazing. I think, I think we flailed badly. And I want to say last year we did markedly better, right? He might have dumbed down the questions. Because two years ago it was a bloodbath. It was not good. Sort of embarrassing. It got to the point where he was like, uh, how far is first yeah. base from home plate? Yeah. And I'll give you five options. The answer is going to be Puckett or Killebrew. Take your pick. Uh, but it's good having him on. And hopefully we get him on as a regular this year, too. I know he's. But hopefully we have some baseball news to talk about next time we have him on. But yeah. he's, he's right. It's just depressing. It is. Like, as a baseball fan, it's sad. Remember the winter meetings and the GM meetings used to be like a thing? Like, it was an event. You're like, yeah. oh, man, some something's about to go down here, especially. Any year when you had free agents like we have in this year's free agent free agent market, it w- if Manny Machado and Bryce Harper were on the market ten years ago, the GM meetings and the winter meetings would be a circus in terms of the 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 activity the free agent activity because they would be the first dominoes to fall, and then you'd see everything else fall behind them, and and just the the media that would swarm yeah. around those meetings so that they would be the first on the news. I mean. It would be an absolute circus, it w- and they could get some of the same types of headlines that the NBA is getting today with their trade deadline. Yeah, I remember the so the Johan Santana was traded. It was after the 2007 season, I believe, before the 2008 season, and there was all kinds of steam early December winter meetings, and that was one of the first years of MLBTradeRumors.com, and mm-hmm. I just remember sitting in my apartment, refreshing every five minutes, refresh, 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 and it was Red Sox rumors and Yankees rumors. And that lingered on, I believe, into late January is when the Twins finally pulled the trigger on that trade. And that felt like an eternity. My God, you waited till late January? You didn't pounce when the iron was hot? It's a week into February here. Yeah. Pitchers and catchers report in less than a week. Jason's right, though. If if nothing else, they're going to have to come up with some sort of system on the dollars for, for there to be a cutoff date. So if you're going to sign, if you're going to sign this huge contract, that's great, that's fantastic. But Christmas time, there's got to be some incentivized cutoff date because this is just ridiculous. Well, I, I don't even know how. So I'm trying to think of okay, how what could go wrong if you put? We all agree something has to happen. But let's say if it's a 100 million dollar contract, or if maybe it's an average annual value thing. If you're going to make more than 20 million dollars a year, 15 million dollars a year on a multi year contract, then you have to sign by January 1st. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what if you don't? Then what happens? Now you can't. Well, you have but, to, but then, so then teams would say, all to, right, cool, then we're not signing anyone until after right. January there, 1st. There would have to be a massive penalty of sorts put on, on teams. Because with, with Harper, there's, what, five teams maybe? Three teams? Mm-hmm. I mean, he talks to the Giants on on. Wednesday. I have no idea why. The Padres he talked to. Right, He's but just, I like, mean, banging on doors. But the realistic uh, Padres. <laughs> but the realistic teams are whom? Philadelphia, right? Washington, the Yankees and Dodgers possibly were at least at, at one point. I, I mean, think the Dodgers are out. I think we they should, are now. Yeah. But but the point being of if there was this cutoff date, those teams were involved at that time. I do believe, but that's about fourteen. He should go sign with the Tokyo Giants for a year and just say, <laughs> "Screw this." This is ridiculous. I'm going to go hit bombs in Japan. Can you imagine if, if Bryce Harper played in Japan for a year and hit 65 home runs? It'd be like the modern-day Mr. Baseball starring Burt Reynolds. 
Put a mustache on him? No, it's Tom Selleck, Tom right? Selleck. Tom Selleck. Oh, it's You're Tom Selleck. Mustache. Sorry, I got my mustache. Magnum, darn it. Sorry about that. <laughs> Robert Reynolds. <laughs> Whatever. Just must, beautiful mustached men from the 80s. Uh, let's talk about TCL TVs for a brief moment here. The TCL 4K Roku TV. There's not another market. Another market. There's not another TV on the market that has been streaming more agent. content. Yeah, it is. It is a free agent. And its resume would say if if Scott Boris brought one of those big 500-page binders in about the TCL 4K Roku TV, it would say tons of free content on channels like ABC, CW, YouTube, uh, Hulu, etc. Well, Hulu, you might have to subscribe to some of that stuff, if not all, but you can get Hulu. Hollywood blockbusters on channels like Amazon Video, Google Play, Live TV and Sports, 140 sports channels, including... Network platforms like MLB, NHL, NBA, NFL, etc., ESPN. Access to dozens of streaming cooking channels, too, so you won't have a problem thinking of what you're going to cook up for dinner tonight. I don't think any of us in this room ever have that problem, quite frankly. Or we just order. No, I'm a, I cook. Well, then you, you can s- get cooking channels. You saw my Super Bowl spread. That's, That's true. Just, that didn't get delivered to my door. Well, that I thought maybe you hours of hard work. over-exaggerated your at your influence on the cooking. I no, thought maybe the other people I'm, in the place. But. I'm a cook, man. But, hey, if you're Rami, if uh-huh. you're out there, you can watch cooking channels. And I love streaming. cooking shows. I really, really What's do. What's your favorite cooking show? You know, I always hated the cooking competition shows like Chopped and stuff like that because they don't teach you anything. Like, I started watching cooking shows back when Emeril was the big thing. Oh, me too. Bang. Everything. And he Bam. Would, and he would actually teach you how to cook. Like, things are going so fast on Chopped. You're not picking up anything. But I've gotten into them. I've gotten into some of the cooking into the cooking uh, competition shows. I used to watch Rachel Ray before she got famous yeah. on Food Network and Giada De Laurentiis I had a huge crush on. Not going to lie. You had? Probably still have. I still have a huge crush on her. Um, One show that I thought I would never like that my girlfriend got me into is Worst Cooks in America, where they literally just take awful cooks and try to make them halfway decent. Oh, Judd and I could be on that show. (laughs) I was going to say, I'd qualify right now. So, hey, TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Mackie and Judd with Rami. We've noticed that you hadn't talked for a while. Um, is it anything to do with anything on your mind, or has it just been coincidence that you haven't talked what, for some time? Why do you care? Because you'd usually talk. Oh, well, and I, feel like, I didn't feel like talking the last couple of days. It was anything in particular? No, I just didn't feel like it. Anything to do with conversation about free agency? Yeah, that's the conversation you're going to have. I don't think about that type of stuff. That's your job. I mean, how do you how how are you playing? How's the team playing in the last I, couple of weeks? I'm done. You know you don't care about that. I just asked you. <laughs> Kevin Durant. That was Kevin Durant. This is Mackie and Judd with Rami here on the all new Score North on fifteen hundred scorenorth.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Twitch, YouTube, you name it, we're there, and we made it real easy for you. It's all at S-K-O-R North. If you want to get in on the show, 651-646-8255, or you can tweet us at Score North. So that was Kevin Durant saying, uh, all you guys want to talk about are these free agency and trade rumors. You don't care about the basketball game. And then the basketball game was asked about, and he said, you don't care about that, and walked off the podium. His read was right, though. Like, he... he he correctly sniffed out that well, it was yeah. just a throwaway question, and he's yeah. like, "You don't really care." He, I'm gonna uh, leave. <laughs> th- this much is certain, though, and and the Knicks will still p- probably screw this up. But he has no business playing in New York. Not if he's that he sensitive would, about the media. He would not be able. He would melt down within well, about a month. Well, what is 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 the way? And correct me if this is a dumb question, but 
the national spotlight has been on him in the Bay Area for a couple of years. Now, I get that maybe some of the local media in yeah. San Francisco, maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe there's some more grizzled, you know, East Coast aggressive local guys the in New York. Coast, but it's, yeah. it's not... It's not like there's a lack of national media and spotlight on him in his current spot. No, but if, if he played for the Knicks, it would be it would be national. It would be the Post, the Daily News, the tabloids. He has he was reciting in that press conference chapter and verse on a guy from the Athletic who basically did a speculative piece about him. Actually, I think we have that soundbite. Okay, like, well, let's just play a little more of this because it's fascinating. You've obviously been around the noise for so long. Is it bothering you more this year? Is it louder this year? It's unnecessary. You got to do Ethan Strauss who come in here and just give his whole opinion on stuff and make it seem like it's coming from me. And he just walk around here, don't talk to nobody, just walk in here and survey and then write something like that. And now y'all piling on me because I don't want to talk to y'all about that. I have nothing to do with the Knicks. I don't know who traded Porzingis. They got nothing to do with me. I'm trying to play basketball. Y'all come in here every day, ask me about free agency, ask my teammates, my coaches. You rile up the fans about it. Y'all let us play basketball. That's all I'm saying. And now when I don't want to talk to y'all, it's a problem with me. Come on, man. Grow up. Grow up. Yeah, you. Grow up. Come on, bro. I come in and go to work every day. I don't cause no problems. I play the right way. I try to play the right way. I try to be the best player I can be every possession. What's the problem? What am I doing to y'all? You are talking. You are talking. So? Who are you? Why do I got to talk to you? Tell me. Does that is that gonna help me do my job better? Nah, bro. I didn't feel like talking. Okay, so many things to dissect here. <laughs> C- couple things. If I'm LeBron James, I'm actually thanking him for exposing himself as being completely incapable of playing with me. With a, if, if I'm LeBron and I'm looking around, I want dudes who are thick skinned like Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. And there's all this chatter that. You know, maybe Durant could be interested in playing with LeBron at some point. Well, you can rule that out after this. I love right? that the guy with the burner account who was fighting with fourteen-year-olds on Twitter is telling people to grow up. Correct. That's hilarious. Yes. Like I, I'm childish, so I'm not going to go around telling anybody to grow up because I have some self-awareness. For Kevin Durant to go around telling people to grow up with while he's up there having on on a podium having a childish tantrum. And has a burner account where he's fighting with 14-year-olds. He's telling people to grow up. And he's right. He doesn't have to talk to the media. He doesn't have to answer questions about anything other than basketball. That's fine. That's his prerogative. But why do we have to ask the questions that he wants asked and not ask the questions that he doesn't want asked? He has a job to do. So do people in the media. And if, I don't know. Maybe Kevin Durant can log on to one of his Twitter accounts and and see what the buzz is around the NBA today. Because it's not about anything that's happening on a court. What gets the most buzz in the NBA is, is trade rumors, is drama, is pettiness, is free agency. That's what gets the NBA headlines. 
And on top of that, Ethan Strauss specifically is a very good writer. He's not writing stuff without talking to anybody. And Ethan Strauss, with the most baller move that a writer has had in a long, long time, today, after Kevin Durant calls him on the carpet and does it by name, Ethan Strauss announces today that in 2020 he'll have a book dropping about the Golden State Warriors. Love like, it. He just took, well, good for him. He just took Kevin <laughs> Kevin Durant's stage and used it to 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 get some, to get some more book sales. And I, I love it. I love athletes though who who do what Durant did and act like I just got a job and I'm doing my job. It's like okay, let's calm down and think about this. One of, not the only, because you, you're incredibly talented at what you do, which is great. But one of the reasons why you make millions of dollars and people care is because of us. Because we talk about you or write about you. I mean, you are, if if you went to the YMCA and played ball and you were fantastic, you probably wouldn't be paid or that much. And you would, and you might be incredibly happy. But guess what? You'd be in a small house or apartment. So I always find it really funny when guys go on these diatribes about you people are bothering me. And it's like, okay, but you do realize that that the system that you abhor basically also pays the freight. And it's not like this is the first time he's done this with the media. He did this back in Oklahoma City. Him and Russ both had it out for the Oklahoma City media. And they and this was in I think his final year in Oklahoma City too. It always it seems like it's come up again. During his free agent season, yeah. Well, well he's sure. he's one of the most talented and greatest players of all time. Mm-hmm. But to what Jeb was just saying, he doesn't understand how all of this works. There's the macro of it, and there's the micro. And you do have to buy in, like uh, on a micro level. His question was, "How does this interaction with you media guys? How does this help me do my job?" Well, the micro is it doesn't. Of course, it doesn't help you do your job. Of course, and you're right. Like on a micro level, you're right. This is all just a ridiculous charade that takes away time for you to relax or to practice or to play or whatever. But the macro level to what Judd's talking about is this is an eight billion dollar industry that becomes an eight billion dollar industry due to fan interest and 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 media playing that middle role and in different ways obviously now it's easier for for you as a basketball player to just connect with millions of people on your own through social media but you know Le- this is where i commend the the lebron james of the world um uh the russell wilsons like the dudes who really understand all right yeah i could complain about having to go talk with bill from the oklahoman or whatever, you know, publication. But I also understand that putting out a good public perception of myself and playing the game a little bit helps the macro, which is grow that pie from eight billion to nine billion so that I can make forty million and have nine cards instead of seven. Like but that's even even if he doesn't want to play that game, why do I understand he's saying, Why do I have to do what you want me to do? Well, why do we have to do what you want us to do? Like, why why should we ask these specific? Why should we only ask basketball questions because you want us only to ask basket basketball questions? You have a job to do, but so so does the media. So do the people who follow the NBA and who cover your team. They have they have a job to do too, and their job is to ask the questions that they're currently asking. I think the point is this: you don't have to like us, and I completely get that. And in fact, I understand why you don't. But at least have the self-awareness to understand that you're profiting from us. So so if you say, you know what? I'm not talking because I'm sick of this entire thing. It's a charade. It's BS. That's incredibly fair, right? No, none of us are going to say, oh, can't believe he said that. But don't ask questions 
that you're smart enough to know the answer to, and you're profiting off us, and that's fine, too. This is a game. Everything is a game. You play a game. Like, ultimately, if your sport died tomorrow, no one's mm-hmm. going to die, right? So there's there's nothing about what a professional athlete does that's really that important. It's fun to watch. It's entertainment. But there's nothing about what you do. If we all said tomorrow, we're done, and Durant said, oh, okay, I'm going to go play at the Y, he could keep playing, and no one would care. And then, as I said before, you'd be in a small house, an apartment. I don't know if you'd be happier. You might be. But don't act like you don't get the game because everything about what you do is a game. It's also weird that he doesn't just handle it differently. Just just take a step back for a second. He feels attacked in some form. right? He feels personally attacked and that you guys are prying into business that's not yours. And that's that's the vibe I get from him. And then when I listen to LeBron James talk about stuff like this, and like has he gotten irritated with the media from time? Yeah, I'm not saying that he never gets irritated with the media, but I think he understands, oh, I can sort of flip the game around, and I can dictate the message how I want, right? I can spread what I want to, and I can can narrate this out front. LeBron uses us very smartly. Yes, like 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 he and look, it feels great. He looks at <laughs> LeBron looks at us and and says, "What can, what message can I send through them? Because I know they'll do it for me, right?" This guy's asking questions, and we're all like, "Dude, you you know exactly why?" Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a uh, he's super thin skinned. He's one of the most thin skinned top athletes probably you, in the world. Do you think some of it has to do with the fact that he thought going to Golden State? And winning some titles would get him in the conversation with maybe Michael Jordan, but definitely LeBron. And instead, that has not been the narrative. Their narrative has been, well, he went there and he teamed. Yeah. He went to what was already a championship super team and he got rings. And now he'll go somewhere else and form another super team and get rings. And it's sort of his legacy has been rather than enhanced by these championship in some ways kind of. I don't want to say diminished, because anytime you add championships to your resume, I think it, it, it enhances your resume. But I don't think it was enhanced to the degree that he thought it would. And I don't think that the narrative in the media is what he thought that it would be. And I think he feels a little bit burned by that. And, dude, he has he has a teammate that called him out on that exact thing, right? I mean, yeah. that's the, the, the Draymond Green stuff from a couple months ago. where yep. They're John at each other on the bench, and the rumor is that Draymond Green, J- Draymond Green flat out said... Listen, dude, like we didn't need we want a championship without you. We don't need you. Blah, blah, blah. You go do your free agency thing. So um did I screw the clock up here, Jonathan? No, I'm fixing Can I it click now. play or screw- Okay, cool. Sorry. We <laughs> got really carried away with that. We have bad clock management on the show today, but it's been, it's been <laughs> Don't fun. look at us. <laughs> on me, yeah. Rami and I were absolved. We just blew past the top of the hour there and Jonathan has to rebuild it. Um but we uh, yeah, I mean to put a wrap on it, understand that this is all BS, really. Like, this is all, like, he's taking it way too personally, way too seriously, and he doesn't understand. This is all mostly fun and games. I get that it's your life, but you're also a multi-bazillionaire. So, right. you're fine. You're yeah. fine, dude. Everything's going to be okay for Kevin Durant <laughs> yeah. when he wakes up tomorrow morning. <laughs> right. Um, we have a gopher basketball game from last night that we can dive into. And uh, and the, the question we posed on Twitter before the show here, if you want to chime in, 651-646-8255. It was NBA trade deadline day. What is your least favorite Minnesota trade? Your least favorite Minnesota sports team trade? We went through some earlier in the show. We can dive back into that in the 5 o'clock, too, here. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami from the TCL studio.